name of uh, Major James Nesmith had a dream of improving his golf game. And he developed a unique method of achieving his goal and actually ended up teaching that to a lot of people. Until he had devised the method, he was just an average weekend golfer. Uh, sh shot in the low, low, uh, mid to low 90s. I would like to do that, actually. Then, uh, for seven years, he completely quit the game. Didn't touch a club, didn't set foot on a fairway, nothing. But ironically, it was during that seven-year break from the game that he came up with this amazingly effective technique for improving his game, uh, visualizing a te technique, he said, that everyone can learn from. The first time he set foot on a golf course after eight years, uh, seven years from the game, he shot 74, cut 20 strokes off his average, although he had never picked up a club during those seven years. And not only that, his physical condition had actually deteriorated during those seven years. Major Nesmith had spent those seven years as a prisoner of war in North Vietnam. During those seven years, he was imprisoned in a cage that was approximately four and a half feet high, five feet long. During almost the entire seven years he was imprisoned, he saw no one, he talked to no one, he experienced no physical activity. During the first few months of his imprisonment, he did virtually nothing, but he was just hoped and prayed for his release. And then he realized he'd have to find some way to occupy his mind or he'd just lose his sanity and probably his life. And that's when, that's when he started to begin to hope. In his mind, he selected his favorite golf course and he started playing golf. Every day, he played a full 18 holes at this imaginary country club in his dreams, in his mind. He experienced everything to the last detail. He saw himself dressed in his golfing clothes. He smelled the fragrance of the trees and the freshly trimmed grass. He experienced different weather conditions, windy spring days, overcast winter days, sunny, uh, sunny summer mornings. In his imagination, every detail of the tea, the individual blades of grass, the trees, the birds, the scampering squirrels, and the lay of the course became almost real. He felt the grip of the club in his hands. He instructed himself as he practiced smoothing out his downswing and follow through on his shot. Then he would watch the ball arc down the exact center of the fairway and bounce a couple of times and roll to the exact spot he had imagined, he had pictured in his mind. Uh, and it was, again, all in his mind. In the real world, he was in no hurry. He had no place to go. So in his mind, he took every step on the way to the ball, and just as if he were physically on the course. It took him just as long in imaginary time to play 18 holes as it would have taken in reality, about four hours a day. Not a detail was admitted. Not once did he ever miss a shot. Never hooked, never sliced, never missed a putt. Seven days a week, four hours a day, 18 holes, seven years. Took 20 strokes off his game. Here's a guy that, um, that found that having hope, just the ability to think about something to come, a hope that maybe I'll be able to do this again, made all the difference in a very, very difficult circumstance of life. I am so grateful that when we talk about hope, when we look 
at the subject of hope, we're talking about something far greater than someone being able to make it through a difficult time. We're looking at the truth of God in his word that gives us a reality, if you would, um, a hope that will surely come to pass. He had no guarantee he'd ever get out of the prison, had no guarantee he'd ever get back on a golf course, had no guarantee, but it was hope that kept him going. And so, my friends, quite honestly, in, in sometimes in life, it's just hope that keeps us going. But not hope for just a better day. It really is hope in God that makes all the difference. And I, I hope this afternoon you'll see that. So turn to Psalm 39 once again. It's not actually going to be the passage we preach uh, because I'd like to kind of give you an overview of hope in the Bible. Hope is a word that's found in 121 verses, 130 times. I would say that that means it's a rather important word in the Bible. Um, you know, sometimes we preach, you know me, I can preach on one word that's found in the Bible one time, and I can preach on it for a few weeks. So this could be a subject that we preach on every Sunday for this year and probably don't exhaust all that could be said about it. But it is the, the foundation upon which a Christian needs to build their life because most everything we do in life is by faith and not by sight. It ultimately is hope that is a very important thing to a Christian. And the Bible obviously indicates that if 130 times the word is used. So let's just kind of get the big picture if we can. And I do have um, some outlines. I wanted to keep you awake. that will help you at least for a few moments we're going to try to be I, I know you don't believe it but we're going to try to be brief as we talk about the subject and and just give you the overview of what the bible says about hope in the bible um, and we're going to begin with just giving a definition do you know what hope is i think you kind of do because you, you've been involved in hope at some time everyone has hopes everyone has things that they would like to see come to pass, and they have a hope that those things will happen. But it is important for, for us to understand in the Bible that hope is more than just, I, I don't know, in our day, hope could be you hope that uh, um, something you ordered online is going to come in by the day it's promised. And hope today for us is something that definitely isn't certain. But in the Bible, many times, not all the time, but a great majority of the time when we see hope in the Bible, it's something definite. It's something someone can be confident in, and actually the words kind of bear that out. So let me give you a definition of hope. In the Old Testament, the meaning, because there are different words, Old Testament, New Testament, different language and different words, although they mean somewhat the same thing. In the Old Testament, the meaning is to wait for, to trust, or expect, and OT is Old Testament. You have to excuse the preacher who didn't type it all in because that's how I always refer to it. The Old Testament, it means to wait for, to trust, to expect. There actually are four or five different words that are translated hope, but the main word means that to wait for something, to wait for someone, to trust, 
or to expect. And it's always anticipating what is to come. In the New Testament, it, the, the word that's used means to anticipate with pleasure. To anticipate with pleasure, expectation, and confidence. Get that? To anticipate with pleasure, expectation, and confidence. By the way, if I give you more words to write, that'll also help you to stay awake. See? So this is good. So in the Old Testament, to wait for, to trust, to expect. In the New Testament, to anticipate with pleasure, expectation, or confidence. And the definitions in their simplest form reveal that hope is really a big, big part of life. We all have things we wait for, we're trusting in, we're, we're hoping comes to pass. Now again, New Testament, Old Testament, both seem to be more of a confidence, but uh, quite frankly, we have hope in all sorts of areas. And like I said, you, you sometimes hope you order something online and you hope that it's going to come in at the day it, it's guaranteed it'll come in. Uh, a 16-year-old lives life of hope, right? Or 15-year-old. I'm going to be 16. I'm going to get my license. I'm going to, going to go to college. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do this with my life. And, uh, you know, there's hopes. There's always these, these ideas. These things are going to come, come to pass. And hope, in many cases, just drives the life. Well, God, in his word, when he talks about hope, hope drives the life. Uh, New Testament, looking for that Blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we could quote and we could look at verse after verse after verse, especially in the New Testament that looks forward to the hope of eternal life, the hope of, and, uh, and it's always this anticipation, a great anticipation, a hope as we wait for and look for something that God has promised. So then, second thing I want you to see, as I said, we're going to be brief, a direction for hope. I already said this, but hope is a word that has more doubt associated with it than when shared in Scripture in our day, at least in our thinking. Uh, because the object or person that hope is set upon in our day is someone that isn't always faithful, like uh, UPS or USPS, you know, the thing that we're hoping to get delivered from, or Amazon or whatever, uh, that we're, what's that? FedEx. Oh, okay. We got to share all these different companies and any other you can think of, you know, because our trust, and then we're trusting in a company that says they'll get it up. And many times because we hope in an object or a person, we find failure. And therefore, when we talk about hope, it's not really something we're confident in. But biblical terms, the assurance or confidence that we have is in God and his word and his truth. In fact, let me share a couple directions. Look, if you would, um, we've already uh, read, I should have had you say the verse with me in Psalm 139, and now, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. And so the direction of hope is really important. It's not just hope, but it's hope in God. It's not just hope in this might come to pass, but it's hope in eternal life. It's not just hope, but it's hope in something that, two things. First of all, God has said, or God's word. A direction for hope, God's word. I love it because as I was studying out the subject, it's kind of interesting. Old Testament and New Testament are a little bit different in the approach to hope. In the Old Testament, here, here we go. I don't want to get, get off on a rabbit trail. In the Old Testament, many hopes were based on troubling times and the hope that God would deliver. The Psalms talks about hope repeatedly many times 
great majority of times you can find the word hope. You know the word hope, by the way, isn't found until the book of Ruth? Yeah. You don't see it mentioned at all in the early parts of the Old Testament. Primarily, you'll find it in the book of Psalms, and primarily when hope is mentioned, it's about difficult times and the hope, because the hope is in God, that there's going to be deliverance. But when you come to Psalm 119, when you see hope mentioned, you find it mentioned numerous times in regard to the Word of God. Um, and I'm getting there now that I already told you to get there. Psalm 1949. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Look in verse 81. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in, in what? In thy word. One, verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. Uh, verse 116. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. So his hope was in the word of God. The only other place we find that would be in Psalm 130. Also interesting. Psalm 130 and in verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. And so as we talk about a direction for hope, it really is important what we hope in, what our focus is on. And I can tell you, and the psalmist reminds us of this in these verses that we've just read, that there is a book that's worth hoping in. There is a book and there is truth here worth waiting on, worth expecting, look forward to. So the word of God should be the direction of our hope. Now, something else that I found in studying the word, uh, why don't you turn to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Another passage, actually, this chapter talks about hope a number of times, and it is interesting in the sense that it comes in probably the, uh, a passage that would be about the saddest point of Jeremiah's life. And Jeremiah had a lot of sad points in his life. Uh, known as the weeping prophet because, well, he was lamenting. He was in tears, crying about the condition in which he found the children of Israel. Oh, it was a terrible time. Uh, they were, had been taken into captivity. And in chapter 3, he's writing about that. And we come to uh, the great passage, of ver which has verse 23 in it, about God. They are new every morning. And what do we, what do we often, we sing the song, right? Great is thy faithfulness. But if you look back at verse 21, he said, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. If you read the verses before that, there was nothing hopeful in it. Nothing. Nothing at all. I mean, you can go back, you read those verses, it's kind of like, well, what was he recalling to mind? Actually, it seems like what he was recalling to mind is what he shares afterward. So that, starting in verse 22, here's what he recalled to mind, and it gave him hope. He said, it's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. 
and so we could, we could keep going on, but we're not. We're going to stop right there. Not just God's word, but especially in the Old Testament, when we talk about hope, many of the hopes are based on God's character so that when I hope in God's word, I'm hoping in the right thing. When I hope in God's character, God's person, I'm hoping in the right thing as well because God changes. God, same yesterday, today, and forever. So that the same God who was merciful in the Old Testament, if I'm founding my hope on, on the mercy of God, is the same God that's merciful today and will be merciful tomorrow and will be merciful next month and will be merciful down the road because, because he is a, his character doesn't change. So when we talk about hope, it's an, a waiting and expectation, but it's not just an waiting and expectation on anything or something that is, if you would, uh, fallible and, and something that can fail. It, or the direction for our hope is in God's word and God's character. And you will find that if you do a study. And I want to encourage you to look it up and start looking through the words. You'll find a number of verses, as is always the case, that may not necessarily apply. But a great number of scriptures, you will find this idea. Hope in God's word, hope in God's character is something that's worth hoping in and is reliable and you can trust in. So let me, let me just give you a description real quickly then. Hope is encouragement. Hope is encouragement. It's like light in the darkness. As I already said, in the Old Testament, some 69 times you find the word. Kind of interesting, almost evenly divided. Uh, in the Psalms, much is related to trying times. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3 that we just looked at. He was thinking on God's faithfulness, and it encouraged his heart. You know, Jeremiah didn't have a lot to be encouraged about. I mean, the people had been decimated. Uh, the people had, and, and great numbers had been carted off uh, to foreign lands, never to see probably their homeland again. It was a devastating time. His own life was threatened numerous times because he stood up and said, this is what God says, and they didn't like it. They didn't want to hear what God had to say. And here was a guy then who in the midst of all that still had hope and, and found encouragement. And I love that verse uh, 21 because I call, recall this to mind and, and I have hope. Um, and so uh, the hope is, is encouragement. It's like light in dark times. It's, it's uh, hope in, in difficulty. Go back to Psalm 42, would you? Psalm 42. Three different times we see almost the same quote. And you can count on the fact that we will probably memorize one of these verses during this year. In Psalm 42, the psalmist was in difficult times. Why art thou cast down on my soul? He was depressed. And, and then he said in verse 5, And why art thou disquieted in me? He was discouraged. So, what did he tell himself? Say it with me. Hope thou in God. That's what he told himself. You look at, at verse 11. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Look in Psalm 43 and verse 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. 
For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. And so hope is encouragement to those who are in difficult times. Hope, by the way, is about expectation and urges patient action. Hope is about expectation and urges patient action. Go to Romans 8, if you would. Romans chapter 8. Sorry, we're not hitting on 130 references, but we're, we're getting to a few at least. Romans chapter 8 tells us something that's, uh, that's interesting. It's true. It's one of those, it's one of those things like this morning. I said, you've got to have need in order to, to see God supply the need, right? Uh, so it's like, well, okay, I know that. Duh, whatever. Um, well, Romans 8 is one of those duh passages in a sense, all right? Look at what he says in verse 24. For we are saved by... Oh, and here's, here's the profound statement. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? Okay, look, it's not hope if you see it. If, it's our, if the box is sitting out in the front, on the front porch, there's no more hope anymore. It's there. Got there. Makes sense, Right? Okay, so this is one of those verses, like, you, you look at it and say, duh, got it, I understand. If you don't see it, uh, if it's not there, if it's not visible, if you can't see it, you hope for it. That's why, by the way, in the New Testament, most every time, or not most every time, but a great number of times when you see hope, it's talking about hope of eternal life, hope of heaven, hope of Christ coming again, hope of What's to come? Because Christians, in many cases, in the early New Testament, were suffering for their faith, and, the, and, and hope kept them going in their difficulty. There's something to come. There's a, a home in heaven. There's a place. Something that I haven't seen. None of us have seen God. We do hope to see him, don't we? Um, none of us have seen heaven. Ray has. My mom and dad have. Any other people I know, and as I get older, there's a lot more that I know that have seen it, but I haven't. But I, I, I know it's to come. It's hope. Something that I don't see. And what it does is it urges me to patient action. In other words, look, I, I, I'm not in heaven yet, but I know it's coming. Therefore, I'm going to live in such a way. Uh, we could reference, uh, again, the passage we were talking about. Take a moment, turn to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. We already said it, didn't we? Looking for that blessed hope, right? Titus chapter 2, verse 13, has that truth. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. But what's interesting is you go back to verse 11, which we often start the, the message on when we're preaching through this, these verses. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that. So the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts, 
that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Why? Because of hope. Because of hope. Because of something you haven't seen. He's coming again. And so when he comes again, we're going to give account. So the grace of God tells us, because we have hope, the grace of God keeps telling us, live right, do right, act in the right way. Patiently continue on and live for God because there will come a reward. There is a blessed hope that we have to look forward to. You, you get the idea? So hope, hope uh, is about, is encouragement. It's like light and darkness. Hope is about expectation. It urges patient action. But let's also say this, hope does not eliminate difficulty. I know we had to end there. But hope does not eliminate difficulty. Hope gets us through difficulty. Profound, right? We understand it. But that's, that's what hope is about. You, you don't... Hope, in many cases, isn't all that necessary if there are no problems. And like we said this morning, you don't experience the promise of God's peace of God's strength until you don't have it. And so it is in a sense that you don't enjoy and you don't appreciate hope until you're in difficulty and it's hope that keeps you going. So hope doesn't eliminate difficulty. Turn to Acts 27, if you would. Acts 27. And I'm only encouraged by the fact that I keep hearing pages turn. So that's good. Thank you. You remind me, at least a few of you are awake, and that's good. In Psalm 27 um, of Acts, Acts 27 and verse 9, Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will uh, be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. But if you know the story in Acts chapter 27, we're not going to read it all right now, but <clears throat> they went anyway because they didn't believe Paul and they had no real reason necessarily to believe him. He was a prisoner. Who are you? I, I mean, the captain of the ship knows far more about this than you do. And so they didn't listen to Paul. And what happened? Okay, shipwreck. Yeah, but before the shipwreck, you know what the Bible tells us about the passage? Hope was gone. They lost hope. They didn't have any hope that they would be saved because they did everything they, they could. In fact, look at verse, uh, and it said, Verse 18, and we being exceedingly tossed with the tempest, the next day they lighten the ship. The third day we cast out our own hands, the tackling of the ship. It's getting pretty serious. And we, when neither sun or stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, what do we find? All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. All right. So look in verse 21. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them. I love this. And said, sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete. Boy, doesn't that sound like a parent? You should have listened to me in the first place. 
and he said, and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. Hey, wait a second. Stop right there. That is not what you expect to hear from anyone in a situation like that. They hope of being saved, hope of making it, hope of living was gone. But here it's a guy who stands up and says, and says, be of good cheer. And then he says, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Why? I believe God. What was his hope? It wasn't in what they were doing. It wasn't in their ability because that already took away any hope. They already pulled everything they could possibly pull off the boat they could. Storm was still there. Problem was still there. It was continuing. And by the way, it still did. The circumstances didn't change after Paul said that. And they ended up in the water swimming for their life. But this man believed God in the midst of difficulty. And that's what caused him to be able to look at things positively and, by the way, change the attitude of just about everyone in that boat because someone had hope, not in their own self, not in their ability, not in what they could do, but hope in God. This year, you're going to need hope in God to make it. You are. Hope in his word. But if you have it and you'll focus on it, then, my friends, it will make all the difference in the world. My hope is in thee. I hope that that will be your desire, your focus in the coming year. And as a church, may we be people who evidence that we hope in God.